That's fine. This is a podcast. You're listening to Scary Stories from Camp Roanoke, the podcast where we tell each other true scary stories. Um, my name is Katie Wiggins. I'm Morgan Driscoll. And uh, Morgan just got back. This just in. Morgan returned from a famous haunted location. And she's here for a tell-all. Dish. Spill. I came back from the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado, up in the mountains. Um, it is where Stephen King had his movie adaptation filmed. I guess I should really be saying his is the only actual one. But I've never seen it. Have you seen his six-part movie series of The Shining? What? I didn't even know it existed! Appar- okay, so The Shining, famous Stephen King novel turned movie directed well, by Stanley Well, it was inspired it was in it in the Stanley Hotel is yes. what inspired him to write The Shining. Yes. So he filmed his six part series. He directed it. He was in it oh, in this no, hotel. No. no. And this <laughs> no, was no. Yes. This was um I think eighty nine. It was a few years oh, before Maximum no. Overdrive. And if anyone oh knows God. anything about Maximum Overdrive, he was coked out of his oh, mind. No. Pounding down mouthwash for any amount of alcohol he could find. So I don't know if this is like that time period, Stephen King. I have not seen the six parter. We went for a a night ghost tour and they had it playing. Six six part? Yeah. I that book is really not that long. It's not that long. How could you make a six part? I the, you can't just you mm-mm. can't just let Stephen King do whatever he no, wants. No, you can't. You can't just let him no, do whatever can't. he wants because his instincts, <laughs> a lot of the times, are wrong. He's fantastic and at writing. You have to have a. You have to have people who are able to rein that yes. shit in. Yes. Um, I have a feeling it wasn't reined in. The only part I saw was when Danny was talking with Tony, and Tony was a. A uh, 1990s teenager floating in the air. He was a person. He had round glasses. He was very hip. It was odd. Well, isn't Tony supposed to be Danny but older? I guess. But it just... No, it is. It is. That's what it is. But it didn't look at all like that kid to me. It just felt... <laughs> <laughs> and he it was really bad CGI. It was, it was a time... I guess I'll have to endure that six-parter. No one's asking you to do that. <laughs> I didn't even know it existed. <laughs> yeah, just go your merry yeah. way and pretend you never heard about it. But apparently the Anyways, story goes so y- that Stephen King was going on a vacation to try and get sober for his wife and child. And they were <laughs> God, driving... a somber vacation. <laughs> just trying to fight addiction yeah, the whole time. Kind of very The Shining story. So he's driving up. And they're kind of snowed out of where they want to go, so they decide to stop at the first hotel they see, which was the Stanley Hotel. Bwah, and bwah, 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 I, we had to do bwah, a 30-minute hike bwah, to get up the bwah. hill to go to the Stanley, and I, you better believe I made those sound effects the whole way up. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wednesday. <laughs> um, <Bang>! Tuesday. <laughs> so Stephen King gets there. And it's him, his wife, his kid, and six employees of the hotel. And they were going to shut down the next day due to weather. The season was kind of closing, and they kind of just let him stay there. He went to the bar, met the bartender Lloyd. The bartender told him, your money's no good here. 
but only because he had just done his taxes for the season, like, the day before, and he didn't want to redo stuff. So they swapped <laughs> stories over whiskey, which, way to enable the man. Give him some whiskey on his trip to sobriety. But Well, it's not really in the nature of a bartender to true uh, increase sobriety, <laughs> is it? It's not in the nature of a Dementor to be forgiving. So give them no reason to harm you. <laughs> the same principle applies. Oh, yes, yes. Um, so he just wrote literally wrote exactly what he experienced, yeah. basically. That is so wild. But the, the hedges, I, I, no hedges. Okay. They made hedges. No he- they were okay. like two feet tall. Okay. Um, well, you gotta have some artistic license. <laughs> and he didn't go on a rampage no. and try to kill his family. At least that that he's of. admitted to. Yeah. So, yeah, there is some artistic a little bit license. of embellishment. The you know yeah okay continue sorry sorry sorry, sorry. The... you're the one who has this experience. <laughs> I feel like the tour was predominantly history based, which I enjoy because I'll be there, get the history, and I can kind of research the paranormal more of the paranormal on my own. Because my tour guide was a very interesting man. Do any of you guys know the Cat Whisperer dude? The guy with the TV show where he brings uh, his cat- Jackson Galaxy? Yes. He was Jackson Galaxy. He looked just like him. He was from Austin, Texas. Oh, yeah. yeah. Jackson Galaxy. That makes Galaxy. sense to me. I think he was trying to fill out the room and he thought we weren't believers and he wanted to give us more history and a little bit of smattering of paranormal. So that's how the tour felt to me. But the history is really cool. It's... The Stanley family, which did, like, steam cars and a lot of Yeah, the Stanley Steamer. Yeah. They are the Stanley Steamer that's carpet cleaner. No. <laughs> that's them. No, they're cars. Oh. I know. I thought that, too. I was really disappointed. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> because I've watched documentaries about this, and they said that he was Is the he? inventor oh. of the Stanley Steamer. And I was like, wow, that must be a powerful damn carpet cleaner back in 1860 i'm such a fucking idiot i didn't fucking How take that know? to its logical why conclusion. would you assume it was a car we only know that's one stanley seamer that's true that's true that's Fair true assumption. they didn't get into it but also like <laughs> if electricity did not exist like barely existed and i thought that they had invented like a carpet steamer like and I also like that. did carpet even exist <laughs> Yes, yes, yeah. yes, it did. Yeah. It did, but like, wow. That's amazing. Really didn't think Maybe about that Maybe he's also involved through. in that. I don't know. But, um... Well, somebody had to pay his estate. He... <laughs> so. Oh my god. He had all the inventions. He is from Maine, which I thought was hilarious, because this felt oh, very that Maine. Is funny. Very... And didn't he go because he had, like, tuberculosis and... He had TB for the third time. And the doctor gave him six months to live. And his doctor said, I'm sending everyone out to Colorado. It's supposed to be very healing, dry, high air. That's supposed to be very good for you. Like, yeah. have your wife set you up somewhere, get very comfortable, and just live your six months out in peace. So he goes to Colorado, finds a doctor there. Turns out it's the most polluted air in that part of Colorado. Like in Denver or wherever, it was the most polluted air. But all the doctors yeah. are sending their people there. <laughs> Yeah, well... And his doctor said, actually, you have three months to live. So, oh. get an estate settled. They're 
extravagantly wealthy. Just figure out where you want to be, rest, relax. Um, I'll come back after the season in three months with a hearse in tow with your casket, and I'll pick you up after. Okay, sounds like a plan. So he does that, and he's gained all his weight back from being sick. He's been hiking, biking, swimming, canoeing, everything. This man has fully cured himself. He lived instead of until like 50-something to 90-something or something absolutely wow. ridiculous. He. I wonder then if he even had tuberculosis. <laughs> he maybe he have. like had asthma or something. Oh, maybe. Uh, no, he was coughing up fistfuls of blood at that point. Oh, <laughs> severe okay, asthma. That's a, all right. <laughs> but he really believed in the healing properties of the mountain. He, there's like 13 buildings in this estate. The main hotel is just the guest house. He would pay $10,000 a month. He made $3 million a month off of his inventions. $3 million if it was like 100000 which would be $3 million in our time. You know, the... Oh, I thought it was like three million in no, that, that would time. be. And I was asinine. like, that man is richer yeah. than God. But he would roll up every month ten thousand dollars, pay all the bills, take a hit on it every year. Have the Rockefellers come over, just wealthy families playing pool, cricket, everything. <laughs> it must have been wild. And then people bought it and used it as hotels and kept running it at a loss. Because it was so much... So it it wasn't built to be a hotel? It was not. It was built to be just a guest what? room. It was a guest house. What? This hotel is, is a huge. guest house. It's, it's phenomenal. It's beautiful. Um, it's a real shame, though, that they were operating at a loss because they took all of the Tiffany glassware and light fixtures, all the things of value, <gasps> they took it out not and sold Tiffany. it. Not the Tiffany. Not the Tiffany's. They sold everything. So it's... An oddly empty hotel to this day, I think. There's, like, not a lot in it. Okay. But it is gorgeous. Did you, okay, so when you were sleeping there, did you get any creepy feelings when you were in the hotel? I did not there. Because you have to spend extra. It's very expensive. And it's really far away from everything else in the town. We just did the night ghost tour, so we got to see the billiard room and the ladies' um room where they would sit and talk because they weren't allowed to play games there was a bench where they could watch billiards that had a very uncomfortable ledge around the the shoulders so you'd have to maintain your posture Ugh. and then we went fine billiards in are a boring. tunnel play yeah yeah men play it folk. i don't give a shit men uh-huh. we went in the tunnels underneath i i got a picture that i'm gonna post i think that i see a person standing in a doorway where there was no person standing in a doorway looking into the billiards room it's i think terrifying okay my interest is definitely peaked yeah will you send it to me right now oh i don't have my phone with me ah okay Okay, fine i'll have to wait like the other (laughs) listeners like a peasant um fine yeah it was fantastic i'm gonna do a lot of research and find out all the stuff that people have experienced and what historically happened. Also, Jim Carrey, they feel dumb and dumber at this hotel. He he insisted on staying in room 217. After three hours, his bags were packed. He was on the porch, shaking his leg, refusing to go back in the hotel, refusing to stay the night. He won't... What? To this day, he won't talk about what happened. Apparently, in interviews, he'll brush it off. He'll change a subject. He'll walk away. Jim! Yeah, for Dumb and Dumber 2, his one stipulation was, 
I will not do this movie if we are filming at the Stanley. So something happened to him in room 217. That's where Steven stayed. Oh my god. Wild. Wild. That's crazy. That is truly nuts. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I also got to sit on a stage where Stephen King performed as a band leader. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, you're sitting on the stage Stephen built. No, I'm not. He played no part in building the stage. (laughs) He's not a handyman. Mm. I've got my warm golden night-night milk. (gasps) Ooh. That's a large mug. It's oat milk, because I warmed it up on the stove, Morgan, and I had to give it a lot of room. (laughs) Fair enough. It's oat milk and turmeric and cinnamon and cardamom Mm. and honey, and it's really yummy. Mm. And it helps me go night-night. It's my (laughs) night-night coffee. I love that. Okay. Um, So I will say that I've been been on the job search... <laughs> and um and I did a I did a job I, I auditioned for this one like uh tour company tour guide company that's like very stereotypical for like New Yorkers around like Midtown area but I also emailed this other group that was does like macabre like the spooky tours of mm-hmm. New York and I just emailed their info at website and was like are you guys hiring like because and they only had like five employees that were like on their website oh so God. I was like there's no way and mm-hmm. I was like they probably like grandfather in their employees anyway I get an email back and they're like yes we have an interview like in three days like we're doing a group interview can you make it and i was like yes "Yes!" (laughs) so it was like amazing timing oh my god and then i confirmed that i can make it and they're like show up at the steps of the museum of the american indian at 7 30 p.m sharp and be prepared to be busy for 90 minutes and i was Mm. just like what is going on (laughs) this is so exciting so i go there and then me and a few other like quirky slash spooky looking people all are like are you you're here for the are you here for the and we all convene in lower manhattan on one bowling green and then this woman appears and passes out pieces of paper and is like you are going to go on a historical scavenger hunt around lower manhattan and you are going to find out interesting and spooky things about the buildings and then you're going to come to the Tweed Courthouse in 45 minutes, and you're each going to give a presentation on what you find to be most interesting, and that will be the job interview. Let me just side note and say that this sounds like my literal nightmare. I would be so stressed. (laughs) It's so cool, but I couldn't handle myself. I was walking on air. (laughs) I was so happy that I could literally barely contain myself. I was just like, hooray! Like, let's go, friends! Like, I really didn't mean to sound like Mickey Mouse just then, but it just happened. Uh-huh. Wait, hold on. Uh-huh. Let's go, let's go! Ha-ha, uh-huh. ha-ha! Uh-huh. Oh, there God. it is, it's lower! There it is, I was doing mini! Here's Mickey! So... Oh, my God. So, 
so we did this and I like went to the oldest bar, the oldest standing building in New York. And I was like, is it haunted to the like host kid? And he's like, I've only worked here for a week. Ask one of the servers. <laughs> and then I asked them and they were like, yeah. And I was like, cool. Like I was just so. Goodbye. <laughs> nice. Off I go. And like, I was just living my best goddamn life. I was so happy. I love that. And, and now I have a second phone interview so we'll see how that goes oh my god i wonder what things they're things and antics they're gonna put you through on a phone <laughs> yeah really no i think it's just to do more like official not dial in stuff. five friends <laughs> <laughs> wait until the dial tone beeps morse code sos then press six um it was just a very That's mysterious amazing. affair and i just had the greatest time I like even if i hadn't have gotten a call back i was like wow that was such a fun experience and i think probably one of the reasons i got a call back was because i was literally like floating five inches off the air like the I entire time i was just like oh, are you guys loving this <laughs> what was your um speech about what'd you find out so i told the story about uh a pirate a pirate who supposedly haunts the base of the Statue of Liberty and <gasps> the Trinity Church where some because he was hung on it was called like Gibbet Island at one point or something like that but it got changed to Ellis Island and that's where he was hung by the neck until dead Oof. um and and he's mad that he wasn't buried at Trinity Church because he helped construct their steeple um, and a lot of really famous people are buried huh. at Trinity Church. So it's a whole thing. But yeah, uh, it was a fun story to tell. <laughs> and apparently he's also got a pretty interesting treasure situation going on. Mm. But yeah, that's what my presentation I was about. I think you'd be fantastic at that. The whole I think I ruined a little bit of a tour experience for myself just because... I expected so much from this tour guide. <laughs> that is in no way ruining your experience. Basically, um, what we do here is like a we basically are historical tour, mm-hmm. spooky tour guides, but um, we can just go all over the world. We're True. unlimited. I'm just saying, you would have been tenfold better than way better. Austin mm-hmm. and Jackson mm-hmm. Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. so. <laughs> okay, speaking of being like. Well, let me take a little more of my golden night-night milk. <laughs> let me prepare. <laughs> it's so good! <laughs> Great. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so I know that we usually do true scary stories, or at least, mm-hmm. like, as close as we can come to them. Mm-hmm. But I thought I would kind of, like, expand our horizons just for fun, because I thought it would be interesting. Um, And I was, like, just, like, not getting a lot from, like, the ghost shows I was watching. They just weren't really capturing my imagination Mm -hmm. in, um, you know, yeah, they just weren't. So, so I decided to sort of expand the parameters Mm -hmm. of our show Mm -hmm. without talking to you about it at all. Hey, I brought (laughs) aliens in that one day. (laughs) True. So I decided that um, the definition of scary stories can now mm-hmm. extend to be like like folklore and mm-hmm. like spooky spooky mm-hmm. folklore and spooky legends and spooky <gasps> spooky like creatures, 
you know, things like that. Things you would talk about around a campfire. Yeah, and it's not only, like, you don't sit around a campfire and be like, episode 295 of The Haunting. Like, you know, we, it's, yeah. uh, it's this is just like kind of interesting spooky stories that people know about. So, um, so I got, I ordered a few books. People in the mess hall know this. I ordered a few books and, um, and one of the books that arrived first, which I, uh, will be referencing today is called Celtic Tales. Now, Celtic Tales, sub, uh, can't remember what the post, the word after sub, like subtext, subscript, uh, yeah. fairy tales and stories of enchantment from Ireland, Scot- <laughs> Ireland <laughs> Scotland, Scotland, Brittany, and Wales. All of the Celtic lands where the Celtic people lie. And I found an extremely old ghost and fairy story that I think is going to be really fun to tell you. And it is from Ireland, and it is called Tag O'Kane and the Corpse. Ooh. So I'm going to read you a story. <laughs> I wish I had night-night milk. <laughs> Get your night-night milk, children. Okay, now something important to mention about just, like, Ireland in general. They're really big into fairies, but not fairies like you probably know them. Unless you're, if you're a listener of this podcast, you probably know the deal about fairies. They're not always, they're not sugar plum princesses or fairy godmothers. They're, they're, like, knee-high, knobbly little men that'll, like, turn your balls into a nothing, you know? (laughs) So no more balls for you. Um, And here's here's a quote at the beginning of the book by William Butler Yeats, who wrote um, fairy and folk tales of the Irish peasantry. So he's written a couple, like, really iconic books of folk tales. Um, Do not think the fairies are always little. Everything is capricious about them, even their size. Their chief occupations are feasting, fighting, and making love, and playing the most beautiful music. Hmm. So just keep that in mind. Now, here we go with Tag O'Kane and the corpse. And I won't be reading this whole thing in an Irish accent because that would be very obnoxious. However, I know people do like when I do accents. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. anytime anyone speaks in quotations... That'll be full. That's that's all. Yay. It's all me or you or whoever. I'm not like overly articulate in the evening time. I don't know if anyone has picked, picked <laughs> up on this. My night milk. <laughs> my night night milk shuts my brain down. <laughs> okay. There once was a lad in County Leitrim called Tag O'Kane. His father, a rich farmer, had no other children, and he loved Tag so much that he allowed him to do everything just as it pleased himself. Accordingly, when the boy grew up, he liked sport better than work. The scoundrel! Uh, He was very extravagant and seldom to be found at home. But if there was a fair or a race or any kind of gathering within ten miles of him, you were dead certain to find him there. It's many the kiss he got and he gave, for he was very handsome and there wasn't a girl in the country who, when he fastened his two eyes on her, would not fall in love with him. Hmm. 
At last, Teg became very wild and unruly. He wasn't to be seen day nor night in his father's house, but was always rambling from place to place and from house to house, gambling and card-playing and drinking. The old people shook their heads and said, It's easy to see what'll happen to him to the land when the old man dies. His son will run through it in a year. Mm -hmm. Despite all this, Teg's father never minded his bad habits and never punished him. But then one day, the old man was told that his son had ruined the character of a girl named Mary, and he was greatly angry. So, pause. I would just like to know what you think they mean by ruin the character of a girl named Mary. What did he do to Mary, huh? Did he get her pregnant? No. He... Did he? Let's find out. So he called Tag to him and said to him, quietly and sensibly, Son... You know I loved you greatly up to this. I never stopped you from doing whatever you chose. I gave you plenty of money, and I always hoped to leave you the house and the land, and all I had after myself would be gone. But I heard a story today of you that has disgusted me. I cannot tell you the grief that I felt when I heard such a thing of you, and I'll tell you now plainly that unless you marry that girl, I'll leave house and land and everything to my brother's son. I could never leave it to anyone who would make so bad a use of it as you do yourself, deceiving women and coaxing girls. Settle with yourself now whether you marry that girl and get my land as a fortune with her or refuse to marry her and give up all that was coming to you. And tell me in the morning which of the two things you've chosen. And with that, he left before Tag could make a reply. <gasps> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> the drama. It is really dramatic. I love that they're not blaming the woman. He's like, you asshole. Yeah. But it's not she like had a choice that dirty it. slut. Um, probably, he yeah. was just like, you idiot. I know it wasn't her idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. So what's going to happen? Oh, Tag <laughs> called after him. <laughs> Father. You wouldn't say that to me, and I such a good son. Who told you I wouldn't marry the girl? But the father was gone, and the lad knew well enough that he would keep his word, too. For as quiet and as kind as his father was, he never went back on a word that he once said. The boy did not know rightly what to do. He was, in fact, in love with Mary, and he hoped to marry her sometime or other. But he would much rather have remained another while as he was, drinking, sporting, and playing cards. And on top of that, he was angry that his father should order him to marry and should threaten him if he did not do it. But isn't my father a great fool, he said to himself. I was ready enough and only too anxious to marry Mary. And now since he threatened me, Faith, I've a great mind to let it go another while. Oh my what God. a fucking idiot. Jesus. Uh, do people exist like this? I was I know gonna, but because like you told this, me to, I'm not I have gonna. three brothers. <laughs> I literally know, yes, this is totally accurate. <laughs> well, I was gonna marry her, but now that you told me, I think I'll just fuck my entire future then. <laughs> to prove a point. Yep. To myself. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody pushes me around. Um. Anyway, he walked into the night... At last, to cool his heated blood, he lit a pipe, and as the night was fine, he walked and walked along the road until the quick pace made him forget his trouble. The night was bright and the moon half full. There was not a breath of wind blowing, and the air was calm and mild. Before he realized it, he had walked on for nearly three hours, and it was late in the night. But no sooner had he turned to head toward homeward 
Then he heard the sound of voices and the trampling of feet coming towards him along the road. "'I don't know who can be out so late at night and on such a lonely road,' said Tag to himself. He stopped to listen and heard the voices of many people talking to each other, but he could not understand what they were saying. "'It's not Irish or English they're speaking,' he said, "'and it can't be that they're Frenchmen!' so he went on a couple of yards farther and he saw well enough by the light of the moon a band of little people coming towards him carrying something big and heavy with them oh said he sure it's good sure it's the good people themselves so i think by saying good people he's referring to the fair folk or the fairies the fairies Ah. aye the good people Every rib of hair on his head stood up, for he saw that they were coming towards him fast, despite their heavy load. Like a bunch of little cockroaches moving with a piece of bread. (laughs) Oh, God. You really painted an image. (laughs) As they approached, he perceived that they were twenty little men in all, not a man of them higher than three feet. But he could not make out what the heavy thing that they were carrying was until they reached him and stopped to stand in front of him. He didn't then walk f- away? I would run away. <laughs> I book it. Ah, <laughs> oh, and what are you doing, you wee Frenchman? That's not, that's not what he said. Um, okay. Then they threw the heavy thing down on the road and he saw on the spot that it was a dead body. Okay. He became he, he became <laughs> you're not French are you? He became cold then and then and there was not a drop of blood running in his veins when one of the little men old and gray came up to him and said, "Isn't it lucky we met you, Tago Kane?" Poor Tag could not have brought out a word at all if his life depended on it, so he gave no answer. "Tago Kane," said the little gray man again, "isn't gray? it timely?" You met us. Tag could not answer him. Tag O'Kane, says he, for the third time, <laughs> isn't it lucky and timely that we met each other? But Tag remained silent, for his tongue was as if it was tied to the roof of his mouth. And the little gray man turned to his companions, and there was joy in his bright, eye, bright little eye. And now, said he, Tag O'Kane hasn't said a word, so we can do with him what we please. Oh Tag, he said, you're living a bad life. You've offended your father and jilted a girl who loves you. You're not unlike our man here, in fact, who live a bad enough life for himself, he said, gesturing at the corpse that lay on the ground. Oh but God. it just so happens we've got a job to do tonight, and you're the man to help us with it. Now, lift the corpse. <gasps> Tag was frightened, but he was also obstinate as ever. Oh my God. <clears throat> I won't, said he. Tagle Kane won't lift the corpse, said the man with a wicked little laugh, like striking striking of a cackling of oh, here we go. Like the striking of a cracked bell. Make him lift it. <laughs> Tagle Kane won't lift the corpse. <laughs> Make him lift it. <laughs> when you say he's grey, is he old, grey haired, or is he a grey skinned man? <laughs> Because I don't know. This is why we have to stop for questions. <laughs> it's what the people want to know. Because I've been continuing with this character for paragraphs on paragraphs, and you didn't know if he was gray all over or simply old. I was going to ask initially, but then I thought, 
Well, my image might be more exciting. <laughs> so I'll keep on with I it. I think they, when they say old and gray, they mean literally gray. Like gray right. hair, not okay. gray skin. If he had gray skin, they'd have mentioned that. Well. more In more specific <laughs> terms. <laughs> well. Make him lift it. This is my favorite line of this whole thing. So almost before the words were out of his mouth, all the little men came running towards Tag, talking and laughing all the while. Tag tried to run from them, but they followed him, and one stretched out his foot before Tag as he ran, <laughs> so that he was thrown in a heap on the road. Then, before he could rise up, the fairies caught him, some by the hands and some by the feet, and they held him tight with his face against the ground. He felt them laying something heavy across his back and something and throwing something around his neck. Then they stood back from him and let him get up. He rose, foaming at the mouth and cursing, but his fear and wonder were great when he found that the things things wound tight around his neck were a pair of bony, cold arms, and the thing hanging off his back was the corpse itself. Ooh. He shook himself and pried at the arms that were squeezing his neck, but however strongly he tried, he could not throw it off, any more than a horse can throw off its saddle. He was terribly frightened then, and he thought he was lost. Och, he said to himself, it's the bad life I'm leading that was given the good people this power over me. The little gray man came up to him again and said, Now, Tag, you didn't lift the body when I told you to lift it, and see how you were made to lift it. Perhaps when I tell you to bury it, you won't bury it until you're made to bury it. Anything at all that I can do for your honor, said Tag, I'll do it. Oh, now you changed your now. tune, you little hmm. shit. Now that you've got a corpse <laughs> tied around your neck. It's always once the corpse is on you. <laughs> <laughs> I never get any respect until I tie a corpse around you. What's that? What's that about? That's not convenient for anybody. <laughs> oh, it's raining hard outside. Hmm. So the little man laughed his harsh little laugh again. <laughs> You're getting quiet now, Tig, says he. I'll wager you'll be quiet enough before I'm done with you. Mm. Listen to me now. If you don't obey me and all I'm telling you to do, you'll repent it. You must carry that corpse that's on your back to the church of Tempoldemos, and you must bring it into the church with you and make a grave for it in the very middle of the church. You must raise up the flagstones to dig the grave and put them down again the very same way and leave the place as it was when you came. But that's not all. Maybe the body won't be allowed to be buried in that church. Perhaps some other man has the bed, and if so, it's likely he won't share it with this one. If you don't get leave to bury it in Team Poldamus, you must carry it to Carrick Fadvik Oris. I'm just guessing here, guys. And <laughs> and bury it there. And if you don't get into that place, take it with you to Teen Ronan. And if that place is closed on you, you've no more to do than take it to Kilbredia. And you can bury it there without hindrance. I cannot tell you which one of those places is the one where you should leave to bury that corpse under the clay. But I know that it will be one or another of them. (laughs) Or another. (laughs) One or another of them. If you do this work rightly, we will be thankful to you. And you will have no cause to grieve. But if you are slow and lazy, believe me, we shall take satisfaction of you. You know what this reminds me of? Mm. Um... But if you forget to come back for Madame Zeroni, <gasps> you and your family will be cursed for always an eternity. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's so that. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Wow. 
parallels. I would love to unpack holes in terms of like folklore. Really interesting. Anyway, when the gray little man had done speaking, his comrades laughed and clapped their hands together. <laughs> go on, go on, go on. They all cried. <laughs> I love these little dicks. They're just like, <laughs> you don't even know which one you have to go to. We know, and it won't be easy for you, will it? <laughs> go on. Oh, I love these guys. Oh. Uh, you have eight hours before you till daybreak, and if you haven't buried this man before the sun rises, you're lost. <laughs> <gasps> then they struck at him with a fist and a foot and drove him down the road. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are great. Really great interaction to begin. So hours later, it seemed, Tag was still walking, and he thought to himself that there was not a wet path or crooked (gasps) that is not the soundboard ladies and gentlemen (laughs) (laughs) oh my god wow that suddenly makes us very atmospheric (laughs) it's time to bury the corpse go on go on go on and he thought to himself that there was not a wet path or crooked contrary road crooked contrary road in the whole country that he had not walked that night which is probably true ireland is very small it was very dark but sometimes the moon would break out clearly and then he would look behind him and see the little people following at his back talking amongst themselves in their strange language at last one of them cried out to him stop here he stood and they all gathered around him do you see those withered trees over there? said the little grey man. Temple Damus is among those trees, but you must go on by yourself, for we cannot follow you there. Go on boldly. <laughs> I really hope this voice is not annoying. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay, good. <laughs> oh my god. Twenty of those voices. <laughs> Speaking in their strange language. En français. Okay. Um, Teague looked and saw an old gray church with a dozen withered old trees scattered here and there around it. The old gate to the churchyard was thrown down and he had no difficulty in entering. He turned then to see if any of the little people were following him, but there came a cloud over the moon, and the night became so dark that he could see nothing. So he went into the churchyard and walked up the grassy, the old grassy pathway leading to the church, but when he reached the door, he found it locked. No, he said to himself, I've no more to do. The door shut. Can't open it. Before these words were rightly shaped in his own mind, a voice in his ear said to him, Search for the key on top of the door. He started and turned around. Well, who's speaking to me? He cried, but he saw no one. The voice said in his ear again, Search for the key on top of the door. What's that? said he, the sweat running from his forehead. Who spoke to me? It's I, the corpse, that spoke to you, said the voice. (gasps) Can you talk? said Tig. Obviously. No, and again, <laughs> said the corpse. With a trembling hand, Tag searched for the key, and he found it on the top of the door. He was too frightened to say any more, but he opened it. Doesn't seem like it. No. Oh, can you talk then? <laughs> 
I'm giving him a slight, a slightly like dairy accent, like a Northern Irish accent. But he's in Leitrim, and that is in Northern Ireland, so that's applicable. Mm. And I seriously doubt any listeners are like, that's a little bit more of a Donegal accent compared to a Cork accent. It's like whatever, guys. Um, so he opened the door wide and went in with the corpse on his back. It was as dark as pitch inside. Light the candle, said the corpse. Tag drew a flint steel and an old burnt rag out of his pockets. He struck a uh, spark and lit the rag and blew it until it became a flame. Mm. The church he could now see was very ancient. The windows were blown in or cracked, and the timber of the seats was rotten. There were six or seven old iron candlesticks left there still, and in one of these candlesticks Tag found the stump of an old candle and lit it with the burning rag. He was still looking around him at the strange and horrid place in which he found himself when the cold corpse whispered in his ear, Bury me now, bury me now, there's a spade to turn the ground. Teague looked and saw Teague or Teague, I looked up the pronunciation, it's like Teague, but it looks like Teague. Teague, Teague looked and saw a spade laying beside the altar. He took it up, placed the blade under the flagstone that was in the middle of the aisle, and leaning all his weight on the handle of the spade, he raised the flag. When the first flag was raised, it was not hard to raise the others near it. Flag is in flagstone. <laughs> and he moved three of them out three of them out of their places. The clay that was under them was soft and easy to dig, but he had not thrown up more than three shovelfuls when he felt the iron touch something softer than the clay. He threw up three or four more shovelfuls from around it, and then he saw that it was another body that was buried in the same place. Uh, I am afraid I will never be allowed to bury the two bodies in the same hole, said Tag. You, corpse, they're on my back. Will you be satisfied if I bury you down there? But the corpse didn't answer him a word. Well, that's a good sign, said Tag to himself. Maybe he's getting quiet. He thrust the spade down into the earth again. Perhaps he hurt the flesh of the other body, for the dead man that was buried there stood up from the grave and shouted an awful shout. Go, 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 or you're a dead, dead, dead man. And then he fell back in the grave again. (gasps) Tag's hair stood upright on his head like the bristles of a pig. The cold sweat ran off his face and there came a tremor all over his bones. But when he saw that the second corpse lay quietly again, he became bolder and hurried to throw the clay back over it and lay down the flags carefully as they had been before. It can't be that he'll rise up any more, he said to himself. Mm. He went down the aisle a little farther and began raising the flags again, looking for another bed for the corpse on his back. But he hadn't been digging very long before he laid bare an old woman. She was more lively than the first corpse, for he had scarcely (laughs) taken any of the clay away from about her when she sat up and began to cry, "'Ho, you clown! Where is he begin that got no bed?' Poor Tag drew back, and when she found that she was getting no answer... She closed her eyes gently and fell back quietly and slowly under the clay. Oh, my God. Quickly, Tag threw the clay back on her and put the flags down on top. This is all such upsetting a mystery to me. Yeah. I don't know if it's also very upsetting to you, but this is very upsetting to me. It's incredibly upsetting, and what's more upsetting is I don't know if he's feeling the severity of the situation. (laughs) What can you talk now? What do you talk? What, what do you talk? What do you talk? What do you talk? That's literally from, like, Oklahoma, the musical. <laughs> so nice one, Morgan. <laughs> All right. 
He moved down the aisle again and began to dig a third time, but before he had thrown up more than a couple of shovelfuls, he noticed a man's hand laid bare by the spade. By my soul, I'll go no further then, said he to himself, and he threw the clay back down and settled the flags as they had been before. He left the church then, his heart heavy, but he remembered to shut the door, lock it, leave the key where he had found it on top of the door. Then he was in great doubt as to what he should do next. He laid his face between... Wasn't he listening to their whole spiel? Yeah. He laid his face against his two hands and cried for grief and fatigue, for he was certain that he would never come home alive. He made another attempt to loose the hands of the corpse that were squeezed around his neck, but the more he tried to loosen them, the tighter they squeezed him. Oh. From the cold, horrid lips of the dead man whispered in his ear, Coric fad vic oris. And he remembered the command of the good people to bring the corpse there if he was unable to bury it in the first place. I feel like if I... What would you do in this situation? I maybe... I don't know. I'd be very frantic. I'd probably start at the last place, they said. And then work my way back. Yeah, I think I would do the same thing. I'm like, I know you would fuck me like this, little people. (laughs) He rose up and looked about him. I don't know the way, he said. And as soon as he uttered the words, the corpse stretched out its left hand and pointed to show him the road he ought to follow. Tag went in the direction that the fingers were stretched. He passed out of the churchyard and followed an old ruddy stony road and wherever whenever he came to a path or road meeting it the corpse always stretched out its bony hand and pointed showing him the way he was to take original gps it was just a corpse on your back (laughs) that would stretch out its hand and point did you see that daniel radcliffe movie um the human in black no the human um pocket knife kind of what's it called Daniel Radcliffe is a corpse, but he's like maybe alive, and this man stranded, shipwrecked, trying to survive, and Daniel Radcliffe is his corpse companion, who- What? It's- I'll, I'll send you a trailer. It's- <laughs> I think I cried at the end. It was a lot. You go through a lot. So you've seen it? Yes. It's on Netflix, I think. Ah. I don't know why I can't remember the name of it. It's odd. apparently okay so at last he saw an old burying ground beside the road there was neither church nor chapel nor any other building in it the corpse squeezed him tightly and said bury me bury me in the burying ground teague stumbled towards the old burying ground and he was not more than 20 yards from it when he raising his eyes saw hundreds and hundreds of ghosts Men, women, and children, sitting on top of the wall round about, standing at the gate and running backwards and forwards inside. Inside, They were all pointing at him, and he could see their mouths opening and shutting as if they were speaking, though he heard no words. He was afraid to go forward, so he stood where he was, and the moment he stood, all the ghosts became quiet and ceased moving. He walked a couple of yards forwards, and immediately the whole crowd rushed together towards the gate, and stood so thickly together that he could never break through them, even if he had a mind to try. But he had no mind to try it. Mm. He went back to the road, broken and dispirited, and then stopped, for he did not know which way to go. But the corpse whispered, Team Paul Ronan, and the skinny hand stretched out again, pointing down the road. 
As tired as he was, Tag had nothing to do but walk. The road was neither short nor even. The night was darker than ever, and it was oh. difficult to make his way. Many times he stumbled and fell, and many were the bruises he got. And many were the bruises he got. That sounds so Irish. It's lovely. Mm. So, at last, he saw Timpole Ronan in the distance. A crumbling church standing in the middle of a burying ground. He trudged towards it, and as he got near and saw no ghosts at the gate, he thought he was all right and safe. But as he was passing through it, he tripped on the threshold, and before he could recover himself, something that he could not see seized him by the neck, by the hands, and by the feet, and bruised him and shook him and choked him until he was nearly dead. And at last he was lifted up and carried more than a hundred yards from that place, and then thrown down in an old ditch, with the corpse still clinging to him that entire time. Oh my god. Imagine getting beaten up while you also had, like, a full backpacker's backpack on. <laughs> That's what I imagine this oh is like. Oh, God. He's going through it. Yeah. Well. He probably deserves it. He's had an easy life thus yeah. far before he ruined the character of Mary. Mm. So, as he lay there, bruised and sore, the corpse said in his ear, Kill Bridia. So, Tag rose up and went in the direction the corpse pointed out to him. The wind was cold, the road was bad, and the load upon his back was heavy. He could not have told how long he had been going when the dead man suddenly squeezed him and said, There! Bury me there! This is the last burying place, said Tag, and the little grey man said that I'd be allowed to bury him in one of them, so it must be this one. The first faint, but what if it wasn't? He had to go mm. back. Ugh. <laughs> oh, God. This is the last, okay. <laughs> the first faint streak of the morning was appearing in the east, but it was darker than ever. For the moon was set and there were no stars. Make haste, make haste, said the corpse. Tag hurried forward to the graveyard, which was a little place on a bare hill, with only a few graves in it. He walked boldly in through the open gate, and nothing touched him. Then he looked around him for a spade or shovel to make a grave, but instead he saw something that startled him greatly. A newly dug grave lay right before him. He looked down into it, and there at the bottom he saw a black coffin. He clambered... He clambered down into the hole and lifted the lid, and found that the coffin was empty. Mm. He had hardly done this when the corpse, which had clung to him for more than eight hours, God, that's so horrible to think Ugh. about, suddenly relaxed its hold of his neck and sank slowly down, softly into the open coffin. Mm. Tag made no delay then. He pressed the coffin lid down in its place <laughs> and scrambled up out of the grave. He threw the clay over it with his two hands, and when the grave was filled up, he stamped and leapt upon it until it was firm and hard, and then he left the place. The sun was rising fast, and he set out as quickly as his weary legs could carry him along the road. At last he came to an inn, where he would have, have dearly liked to take a rest. But he knew that his father and Mary were waiting for him to give his answer that oh very my God. morning. So he hired a horse instead and rode home. He found that he was more than 26 miles from home, and he had come all that way with the dead body on his back in one night. Tag was not a fortnight at home before he married Mary, and he was a happy man from that day forwards. Oh he never drank too much, he never lost his money over cards, and most especially, he would not for the world be out late by himself on a dark night. Mm. Learned his goddamn lesson. Apparently, it <laughs> took carrying a corpse for an entire night on his back and the visitation of several churches and interactions with many dead people. We gotta bring this back. I, I, this needs to become a thing. A lot of people gotta learn guy. some lessons. Yeah. <laughs> 
If you can spend the night with this corpse strapped to your back, you can marry my daughter. <laughs> but it does seem to be a pretty f- fail-safe way to um, to knock the silliness out of somebody. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wonder how they obtained the corpse. I wonder what they were doing with it and why the yeah. little people were trying to bury it in the first place. Yeah. Who is... Who is he? (laughs) (laughs) Did anyone ever figure out? (gasps) Maybe it was someone who had, like, failed the test. (gasps) That's like a ghost of Christmas, past, present, future I was literally thinking that, like, when they looked at the corpse, it said Ebenezer Scrooge. I thought he was going to look at it and see himself. Yeah. Well, maybe that's what they were trying to do. It was like, don't see yourself. Like, you are acting the way this man did, so now you are going to bear his burden until you fully understand, like, that's not the way you want to go. That's incredible. Maybe so. I don't know. Folklore is interesting and has lots of layers and Mm -hmm. uh, meaning to be gleaned. So I don't exactly know. I haven't read any, like, analysis of anal, anal (laughs) analysis (laughs) of of this story. But I can and we can check back in next episode Mm. and talk about it. But... But that was Tay Gokane on the corpse. Terrifying. And I thought it was really fun and really kind of gross. Yeah. And um, the story has probably been around for hundreds and hundreds of years in Ireland. Mm. And uh, we're bringing it to camp. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Terrifying. Yay! Finally some culture. (laughs) (laughs) And not just a Midwestern couple in distress. Good lord. All right. Now, before you sign off, my darlings, we have started a Patreon, and it would please us to the utmost, to the rafters, Mm. if you were to become a patron. Mm -hmm. Now, I've created two tiers, and there's a $5 tier where you do do $5 a month, and you become a junior counselor. And by becoming a junior counselor, we will reference your, we will shout you out on an episode, and we will come up. And introduce you as the junior counselor of Camp Roanoke and come up with a crazy story, a spooky, weird story of how we got you here. Mm. So if you would like your own personalized shout out and story about that and also to support this podcast to keep it going, Mm -hmm. um, then become a junior counselor. You can also become a full counselor (laughs) and a full podcast host. How funny would that be? What What if people could pay for that? No, That's we amazing. can't figure we can't figure out how to do three people on no. Skype anyway. So there's there's no way that's ever gonna happen. Just because I don't have the time to edit that kind of bullshit. So um, you can become a counselor by doing ten dollars a month, and that means that you get a shout out. You get the what a junior counselor gets. You get your own spooky story of how we found you at camp and a mention on the podcast, and you also. Get uh, one, I'm an artist and I sell art prints and I will send you one of my art prints, which is a $25 value coming to you for absolutely, uh, well, not free, but it's a perk. Bam, bam, so, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> And it's spooky fun art Ooh. and it's really lovely if I do say so myself mm-hmm. and I will send you that. I will send you one. You don't get to pick. I pick whatever feels right for you. You've got I know now. better than you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's what's going on on Patreon. We also have a Camp Roanoke Mess Hall is our new Facebook group and it's really fun. Mm -hmm. 
and I really like it and everybody's really nice and cool and they're yeah. from all over and I think it would be cool if you joined us because we have a lot of fun over there and post a lot of memes mm-hmm. so uh, if you want to go to facebook.com backslash s-s-f-r no c-r scary stories from Camp Roanoke the first letters of all those s-c-f-r s-s f-c-r f-c yeah those uh you could also type in camp roanoke mess hall and it'll Mm -hmm. take you right there so please join the facebook group it's really fun we've gotten a few members and it's nice we got about 30 now so it'll be really fun to get to know each other yeah so that's what's going on there also if you're new to the podcast or if you've been listening for a while and you've been freeloading and uh you don't be without giving us a review if you can't become a patron the way that you can really help us. Like, mm-hmm. if you're not down to spend $2 a month or whatever, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But the way that you can really help us is by giving us a positive review and rating and subscribing if you haven't already. Um, so those are the ways in which you can reach out to us and you can help us and keep this wonderful podcast going, which has yeah. now opened a whole new realm of, of possibility about what we can talk about. So if you didn't... Uh, think that this was going to be educational, you're fucking wrong. Mm. Because that's the way I'm fucking steering this ship. Hell yeah. You're going to love it. But we're also going to do standard, normal, scary stories like usual. But mm-hmm. I just wanted to spice things up. I love, I love, love this. Really? You had a good time? I was, I was like, like moving my feet, getting the story <laughs> read to me. <laughs> I Aww. wanted my night-night juice. Like, it was, it was great. <laughs> Yay. And, and I terrifying. Mean, this, it's called Scary Stories from Camp mm-hmm. Roanoke. We can do any kind of scary stories we want. True. And I thought this was pretty scary. Oh, yeah. I I refuse to imagine myself in his position. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just refuse to empathize with this character. <laughs> <laughs> all right, perfect. Then I think the only thing left is for you all to have a spooky night. Filled with restless dreams. Of haunted things. <laughs>